We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Happy Saturday, Jeremy. Happy Saturday, John. You know what my first thought was just this very moment? What? We got to change the graphics of all the Knicks that are shown on there. Oh, uh, what number is OG? Can he fit on there? So you're saying we did a new number nine and a new number five is what you're saying, Jeremy. I'm Uh. saying that nine to five is not in New York right now. And Mm. uh, we'll have to figure that out. You You know what else we need to do? Is I need to open a window because someone needs oh, to no. fly away <laughs> north. Can, can crows cross the border? Do they need a passport or how does that work? I'll, I'll let you handle this, Jeremy. <laughs> I'm out. Okay. Let's let's talk about let let's put crows aside. Agendas, all those things. Let's talk about the trait, right? So, John, you were at SNY about yeah. to record a segment. Which Walk had nothing to do with how that happened. <laughs> okay, so I want to start off by two things and I'm, I'm, I'm going to throw it to you. The first thing, take a little, just briefly through my day. So we were literally, literally, like we were mic'd up, uh, me and, and obviously CP, CP the franchise uh, of Knicks Fan TV with Dex, and we were, we were waiting for the go. And instead of the go, I hear Dex, who has a mic uh, or, or has a, an earpiece in, say, well, wait, we got some Knicks news. And so me and CP immediately grab our phones. And then you saw the reaction after that. And um, man, that is, that is a moment that I will never forget. So that's, that's, that was the first thing I want to say. The second thing, and then I'm going to throw it to you. I want to open just by saying this. It will su- probably surprise nobody watching this and listening to this, that I'm a big fan of this move. And I think I have a funny feeling that you're a big fan of this move too. And there are a lot of reasons why that uh, I am a big fan of the move. And I, I again, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think you're, you're a fan of the move as well. And we're going to get into all those and they all matter. What I think I need to say up front is, and p- some people may not be interested in this. So fast forward, you know, two minutes on your, if you're listening to this on the pod, if you're stuck watching me live, uh, nothing I can do. I've over the last few years doing this shit as a self-preservation technique. 
needed to find ways to extricate emotion out of what I do because otherwise I can't sustain as a human person every day living and dying in the way that I think I did as a fan for the vast majority of my life. And part of that is to, as best as I can, and I can't always do this, I certainly can't do it at the end of close games, but part of doing that is to disassociate any specific loyalty or emotion towards any players and look at this thing as what I think front office people look at it as, which is, I mean, essentially a version of a spreadsheet. And I've come to realize over the last year or two that that disassociates me in a certain way from a lot of people who watch me. And I, and I, I have had to ask myself at times, like, am I still the best person to do this? And I, I don't know. People will watch if they watch and if they don't want to say don't watch. So like, I need to acknowledge that up front because the way that I am reacting to this trade, and I, I, I'm not going to put your words in your mouth on this end. I'll let you speak for you. But the way that I am processing this trade has nothing to do with the fact that Emmanuel Quickly and RJ Barrett, two homegrown players, the arguably signature two homegrown players of the last, I mean, since Ewing, other than Porzingis, right? Am I, am I forgetting someone? Homegrown. I mean, that you, I mean, Gallinari was here for two and a half years, so not not quite the same, and the team stunk. So, like, again, it's been forty years, forty years, and it's these two and KP, and that's it. And they just went out the door in one trade. And the 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 Venn diagram of people out there who are Knicks fans and haven't developed an emotional attachment to either quickly or RJ is minuscule. And I want to acknowledge that. Because how I'm coming at this is not from either of those places. And I just want to put that out out there at the at the at the start while also saying seeing the trade and seeing both of their names in the tweet that they're both going out, even having said all that I just said, it did it it knocked me back a little bit. I was like, whoa, that is a sea change. Um, so I just had to get that out up front. I apologize. We'll get to the serious trade analysis now, but I just had to say that before anything else, and now I'll throw it to you. Where to begin? My goodness. This trade, the timing shocked me. Absolutely. Trade did not. No. I can't. And this is why. And I was actually hold on. I I don't want to I have to ask. You said the the trade did not. Once you learned all the details of the trade. Still same answer? Shocked or not shocked? When I saw that it was not a first round pick and that it was the 31st pick or it's currently the 31st pick in this draft, I was once again shocked. And I just wanted to get that up. 100%. I was expecting, I don't know about more, right? Because I, I what I, here's where I thought of. First, first and foremost, let me start. Let me take a step back. The Knicks have always wanted OG Ananobi. And for good reason. Because there are not a lot of wing stoppers who are excellent defenders, who match up well, and who hit threes and don't require a ton of usage. They needed size. That was a position that they had targeted for ages, right? They it was why they went after Cam Reddish, and they thought maybe the shot comes around and they figure something out. Okay, Uh, it's why they went after Paul George this past summer, offering. RJ Barrett. Uh, They went after Grant Williams because even though he's not quite like those other players, he still is able to guard up a bit and defend wings. And they wanted OG. 
and they've wanted Ochi. And I think that a lot of people look at OG Ananobi and see the lack of offensive production and write them off. And I understand. Look, maybe you love RJ Barrett and Emmanuel quickly, and you feel like that's not a worthwhile trade package. We'll get into that. That's fine. But what I was very prepared to do was when we were supposed to next record, which was not today, of course, but when we were supposed to do that, I wanted to highlight one main thing, which is when asked about why in that Thunder game, the Knicks played, or specifically Tom Thibodeau, played R.J. Barrett. John, what was Thibodeau's reaction? What did he say? Oh, I mean, the matchups, the size, it's size. When he said that, the very first thing that came to my mind was... Not like a shot or just a general comment that also looped in the front office of I, I don't have any other wings. I don't have the wings who will do it, what I want them to do. This is what you gave me. This is, this what, is what, what you got. gave me. Now, yeah. mind you, it is still on Tibbs to find the right things Absolutely. to make the team go, which is why Absolutely. I would not have put RJ back into that game. I would have kept Emmanuel quickly. And even with the size limitations yeah. that he has because of how IQ was progressing. But with all of this going on, there's certainly the the thing that bothered me. There are two things that bother me. Number one is I was building one hell of a cap or no cap that featured OG Ananobi that was ready to go on January 15th. It was growing. It was getting better and better. And, and it just it's now not useless because I can still repurpose it and You're with so the perfect. trade. So it's fine. I'm okay with that. But here's the second thing. The second thing I'm annoyed about is I'm annoyed at myself. And I'm annoyed at myself for this very reason. I can't wait to hear this. When the deadline for rookie extensions occurred and Emmanuel yeah. quickly did not have a contract, yeah. we sat in front of a camera. I mentioned how I was really nervous about Emmanuel quickly being traded this season. Because if you look at how the Knicks have operated in the past, they will deal with their stuff in-house or they'll say, we're not going to wait and let something get out of our control. We want as much control in the situation as possible. And then at a certain point, quickly started playing better. And I, I told myself, he's not going to get moved because number one, the Knicks need a backup point guard, which is still arguably true. But number two, because my heart wanted him to stay because I, I care a lot more about Emmanuel quickly and I do about RJ Barrett. And I don't mean that as a slight to RJ. I just mean that as in, if we're going by personal preferences of players, for me, it was far more about quickly than it was about RJ. Well, it's because you have eyes. And you yeah, use, it, use them to watch basketball. Even, even still, let's, let's separate that. Just, just for, for this moment, right? The main goal that people are probably losing in all of this, and I understand why they would, is the end goal. The end goal of this team is a contender. To get to contention status, you need a superstar. To get a superstar, you need to trade players and assets to get said player. All season and before and all that, when we would think about superstar players and how you acquire them, the prevailing thought was including RJ Barrett in that superstar trade because of the salary, because of the talent, because of the ceiling, all of these reasons. It gets harder and harder to feature him in those types of moves when play continues like this. When you see someone who is consistently 
against the grain of what the Knicks are looking for in a player and how if it's not the right fit, it also impacts RJ's value. Putting RJ in the superstar trade package, it started to become much more difficult because of the play that was there. And it wasn't just a short period of time. Again, if you look back at much of his career, unfortunately, the inefficiency has remained consistent all throughout. And so the Knicks getting OG Ananobi today, it doesn't advance them any further in the ceiling of the team. But it raises their floor to the point where they keep getting higher and higher. And then when that superstar inevitably comes, because let's face it, that's this is what it's always been building up to. It's going to be, you know what? I'm really glad we got RJ. I was OG. Yeah. Really glad we got OG <laughs> because <clears throat> without that, the Knicks would be sorely lacking. And we would be looking at a compressed timeline with a star superstar, whatever you want to call him and say, man, I've really, we traded RJ for for a player that isn't a wing and the Knicks desperately need wings, but there aren't too many avenues for them to do it because they use that salary in other ways. You have to keep building. And the Knicks have been doing that. Floor, bottom floor, basement, first floor, second floor. They keep going. They're not at the penthouse yet. They need time for that. But this at least builds another floor. But from a fan's perspective, I completely understand if you're hurt because of... Loving watching players because this is still a sport and enjoyment and entertainment. I can understand if you felt like those players were going to take the Knicks somewhere that is further than they can take OJ and Ruby. I get all of that. And it hurts still to see these players and assets go. And you think, hey, maybe the Knicks could have done draft picks instead of Emmanuel quickly. But the thing that I always wondered about was how is it that the Knicks could, with this new CBA into effect and the second uh, super tax being as extreme tax apron being as extreme as it is. How are the Knicks supposed to trade RJ for a superstar and keep Randall and Brunson when their new contracts coming up and bring on an IQ where we talked about this past summer, how few teams actually employ multiple lead ball handlers earning over $16 million. It's just not something that happens and it doesn't happen a lot for a reason. And it's not to say the Knicks couldn't have bucked that trend, but if you analyze just the way that teams build their teams, it didn't seem like it was going to feature another expensive ball handler, which is exactly what quickly would have been. So we're at a transitional step and uh, I've got some ideas as to where they go next. I'm happy to share them as time goes on, but as of right now, um, this was a future. This is a move aimed towards the future, but in the present, it's not necessarily going to seem that way. I want to. I want to make an analogy. It's not a perfect analogy because I just thought of it, but I want to make an analogy in regards to what you just said about trading quickly versus trading firsts. And I'm not going to sit here and wager a guess as to how many firsts or what the firsts would have been or the protections on the firsts that would the Knicks would have needed to include if they did not include Emmanuel quickly in this deal. Um. The analogy is this: If you let's let's take it back to like pre-colonial America, where you had like trading posts, right, and there was no universal system of currency, and let's say you had some different uh, sorts of coins or or I don't know beaver skins or whatever the hell people traded back then in your in your satchel, and you went to one um, place and they're like, uh, we will only take the one the coin A that you have. And you went to um, the second place and they're like, well, we'll take either coin A or coin B. Well, if you need things from both places, 
you're going to go to the place that takes coin A or coin B, and you're going to give them coin B so you could save your coin A for the second post. Doing anything other than that would have been insane. The Knicks have Emmanuel Quickly. Emmanuel Quickly is a, let's politely call him a combo guard, who can maybe be a little bit more than that. Um, yeah, he's, he can run pick and roll. I, I, he can absolutely a, run pick and roll. The floater game has been fantastic. 100%. He has truly grown to the point guard position. 100%. I do not believe that there is any universe where teams around the league presently, presently view him as a top two player on a contending team. And I am specifically going with that lofty of a goal because we could love Emmanuel quickly till the cows come home. The reason why that distinction matters here is because unless you are a team with one of, I don't know how many of these guys exist in the league, five, six, maybe jumbo lead initiators who can actually run your team. I'm not even talking about Jason Tatum here. Who's like, you still kind of want a legit, like truly legit point guard alongside that guy. I'm talking about the Barnsies and the Donchiches, and then maybe Cade grows into that role. Kawhi is like, eh, you know, he kind of got close to there a couple times, but even he was alongside Kyle Lowry. Um, you know, LeBron obviously fits his. Co- That's the sort of guy that if a t- that, that needs to be next to Emmanuel quickly for the vision of Emmanuel quickly is a 35 minute a night player and can start for a team, and that ke- team can win a championship. Because then you could have another traditional, whether it's a wing or a big alongside, and all of a sudden, quickly doesn't need to be your one or your two. You could be your number three or your number four. That's the ceiling. That's the vision for Emmanuel quickly ceiling as that team, as that sort of player on that sort of team. That was never, ever, 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 ever going to happen here. So why, if you are the Knicks, would you include draft capital that you could include in any trade for any player, as opposed to Emmanuel quickly, who in this trade to this team? Toronto Raptors that already have Scotty Barnes is going to value quickly to the nth degree versus another team who might not value him to that same level. That is why it always made sense if you were going to go get this player, OG Ananobi, to include Emmanuel quickly in the deal. The reason why I never thought it was going to happen is because I'm like, okay, so then you're trading quickly and let's say Fournier and if you need to include, actually, you you wouldn't need to include more salary. They would need to include more salary. Put that aside. Quickly and Fournier, that would have been the package. Well, then then you're stuck with RJ. And now you have RG and an OG. That that doesn't work. So then it's like, okay, well, RG and IQ have to both go out in the deal. Man, they're not giving up RJ and IQ and the draft comp comp that Masai Ujiri is going to need to trade OG and an OB. And then we arrive at the final version of the deal. Because what's the draft comp? One second round pick. Is it the best second round pick that you could possibly have at this point in the season? Maybe in NBA history? Yes, because the Pistons are all but guaranteed to finish with the worst record in the league and you're going to get the 31st pick in the draft. Great. It's a valuable asset. It is not future unprotected first round picks, which when, and I want to note a couple of reports here, and, 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 and Zach corrected himself a little bit on this, but not really when he said the thing he said in the middle of last season about OG Ananobi is going to fetch a Donovan Mitchell type package. He didn't really ever walk it back, but like the fact that his gut instinct was to be like, this player will be traded for like three unprotected future first round picks. Again, was it maybe out of turn when he said that? Did he did he couch it a little bit afterwards? Sure. That guy, that dude talks to more than anybody, anybody in the league, you know, more than anybody else. 
And the fact that that was his gut reaction when the topic of trading Ananobi came up is notable, as is reports from Jake Fisher and Ian Bagley, both of whom put it out there on um, uh, today in their reporting that they talked to people not involved in the deal from other teams around the NBA that were some version of surprised that the Knicks did not have to include more draft compensation in this deal for this player, given what they gave up. That is the reality. Again, this I, I am not putting down anybody's love for either of these players. The reality of the situation is what it is. And that is what makes this deal, if not a home run, um, something close. And the last piece of reporting I want to I want to get to, and then I'm going to throw it back to you because I know I've been ranting for a while. Interesting that Jake Fisher also noted in his report that OG Ananobi made it clear, very clear to anybody who thought about trading him and, and in terms of their chances of resigning him this summer, that OG wanted the ball. He wanted a bigger role. What's the one team that he would maybe consider? Taking a step back from the ledge on that demand for the New York Knicks. Now, as for why OG Ananobi's reasons for taking a step back, who knows? Maybe it has to do with nothing more than money. And he knows he's getting the bag from Leon Rose this summer. Quite frankly, I don't care. The fact that this player who has made it known through back channels that he wants a bigger offensive role is at least at this point somewhat amenable to coming here and seeing how it works as like not a featured guy. I think that's a big deal, especially when you have Jalen Brunson and obviously Julius Randle on your team at this point. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll throw it back to you. And I have one more point before I want to get to the super chats. But anything else based on anything I just gave you? Yeah, I OG obviously a fantastic player. I've been very high on him for a while. I know the Knicks have two, just based on what they like. He will get a higher usage, which is good, which I don't mean he necessarily should. Uh, their, their limitations to his creative uh, creation, his isolation game is very weak. Yes. He's a CAA repped player. Oh, is and he? I'm just saying, I'm just saying, if there were an opportunity where CAA, and this is purely, purely hypothetical, I'm, I'm not, it's not good from anything I know of, but if, if the representation were to say, look, this is what we're looking for. We want our client to be in a very good spot. He's probably not going to stay here. That could kind of force things because a lot of folks looked at this lawsuit between the Knicks and the Raptors and immediately wrote off any sort of traits or they looked at Masai's past experience and said, no, no, he's not only is he not going to trade OG, he'll hang on to him, but also he's going to get a haul for him. Or if he's not, he's going to want a haul and he'd rather risk him walking than not. And a good way to put pressure on that type of person, uh, if it's not from the organizational standpoint, is from the agency standpoint to potentially say, look, uh, you could risk losing him for nothing. We want this type of deal to happen. And then Masai gets to look like the good guy because yeah. Kawhi left won a championship. Don't get me wrong, but he, he wound up walking. Uh, Fred Van Vliet walked for nothing. Kyle Lowry Gasol. walked for nothing. Gasol, uh, Danny Green left, but he, him, he didn't add a ton afterwards. Point being, the ROI was pretty lacking considering what the Raptors were not even five years ago. And it's fine. Again, they won their title. It was worth it for them. Worth it. But, never say sorry. But it just, the assumption of Masai will never do this or he'll hold out and he'd rather hurt himself than get anything back to me. Always felt crazy. It felt, it felt unlikely. And I understand where the way that Masai operates, like every time he trades with the Knicks, he tries to go for the jugular. 
And the difference is the Knicks now have someone running the team who knows how to defend themselves from outside attack in Leon Rose and his organization. And the difference now here is, okay, yes, Masai, you don't have to trade him, uh, but you still get a win. And we can get a win because not every trade has to be a win and a loss. You can win both sides of the trades. As long as it works for your side, it shouldn't matter necessarily how the other side works out. Look at the Kings and the Pacers. That trade is working out brilliantly for both of them. I'm happy for both those sides. You don't look at the other and be like, well, they're the losers. No, maybe one's winning a little bit less than the other, but they are both wins. And that's what matters. And in this case, the Knicks, they won something here. And this is the thing that stuck with me the most. If I had to look in a vacuum between OG and IQ, could I say to you right now that like, Manual quickly, I would take him. Maybe, yeah. In a vacuum, I will take the two, the young two-way guard who can be an initiator, be a creator, and still be able to do more with the ball. Granted, I look at OG and I think OG is one of the best at what he does in his archetype. Quickly is not among the best in what he does at his archetype. But it also shouldn't matter as much because the Knicks had a clear need at the archetype that OG is and not at the one IQ is. I, yeah. And, and so if always building to the point to your to what you're saying, John, of how it wasn't going to work out for IQ here, then there it is. There was no point of doing this later. There were two deadlines that we talked about this past offseason. Number one, the IQ deadline extension. That's one factor to consider. Number two, the trade deadline. Yeah. The Knicks knew they had to act before February 8th. They just had to. OG was never opting into his deal to facilitate the trade. And it was never going to work with OG, RJ, and Randall because those are three players who all play slower, more like fours, less like twos. It, yeah. RJ was not a two. It, it really didn't make sense to see him chasing guards around the perimeter. That was not his game. He was the type of player where you give when Grimes was there, you gave him the point of attack assignment. When Randall was there, you had him guarding the wings. Now you have someone in OG who can do all sorts of different things. If the, the team that they're facing has an elite wing, you put them on the elite wing. If the team they're facing has a much better lead guard, star point guard, put them on the star point guard. You can mix and match a little bit more than you could have before with RJ. What's up, Knicks fans? Quick break to tell you about AG1. AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement that supports your body's universal needs, such as gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. Since 2010, AG1 has led the future of foundational nutrition, continuously refining their formula to create a smarter, better way to evaluate your baseline health. Fun fact, I recommended AG1 to all my friends, family, and Mrs. Claudio. We drink AG1 first thing in the morning, to make sure we have the energy needed to take on a busy day. There's no debate. AG1 is the supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash filmschool. That's drink. That's drinkag1.com slash filmschool. Cool. Check it out. A couple things you hit on. Um, one, and I'm going to throw a bone to anybody out there, and I have a feeling a couple of people, a couple of our colleagues here at Knicks Film School are among them that think the Knicks traded away the best player in this deal. Emmanuel quickly is going to look awesome in mm-hmm. Toronto. He's going to look awesome alongside Scotty Barnes. 
perfect fit for everything that they are trying to do, what they want to do. That is, and you know what? Here's the thing though. He better because he's the price, right? And look, is this a bad trade from a side? No, I don't think it's a bad trade from a side. You are buying arguably RJ at his absolute lowest value, right? You're getting him not to use a, an old term, but like is he's a little bit more than matching salary in the stale, but quickly's the prize, right? Quickly's what what Masai wants. And hey, if RJ turns it around at Toronto and he finds the consistency that we've been screaming about for years, then all of a sudden the deal is a home run for you as Masai Ujiri. It also is a deal that is specific to the Raptors for all the reasons that I said before. For the Knicks. And I, I apologies if anybody watched the stuff that I uh, was put out with me and Dexter and CP earlier, because I this is the point that I made there. I think it is, in addition to the fact that they didn't give up any first round picks, the salient point for this trade. There is no universe, zero, where a core of Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle work unless you have this level of specifically defensive player and this sort of offensive player in terms of toggling between it's mostly off ball stuff. Could he do a little bit on the ball? You need that. They needed this. They always needed this. He is the skeleton key that unlocks the whole potential of this operation for this iteration of, of what they have. Um, and how many of these guys out there are there? Like, like huge wings who can legitimately, if you, if you get switched onto a five, if they get put on a one, can can hold their own defensively on either side and then can shoot the shoot the ball well enough on on the outside give you real size the whole thing there're not many out there and those that are out there you know what they every time they, their name comes up in in a, in in trade rumors like a Macal Bridges we've heard Macal Bridges you know the Nets are, would turn down like three or four first round picks for him that's the sort of packages you you're talking about with these guys whether they're quote unquote stars or not that's the guy the Knicks always needed. So for as much as Toronto may be making out, I don't know if I'd say they're making out like bandits, but for as much as Toronto is making out very well in this deal because of what they got and how it fits, the Knicks are doing exactly the same. And then the last thing, and then turn it back to you when we get to Super Chats. I find it, um, I don't know if ironic is the right word, but fitting, perhaps fitting, that in acquiring one of the most versatile players in the league in terms of how you can deploy him and where you could deploy him. Guess what? Knicks solved their backup power forward issue because they got mm-hmm. a guy that could absolutely slide. I mean, and I can't wait to see the lineups that Tibbs gets to use and stagger and and figure out how to mix and match these guys together. And and you better believe OG Ananobi is going to get his opportunities with on-ball creation when Randall's not on the floor. Um, second quarter, beginning of second and uh, fourth quarters is when yeah. that's prime OG time. Boom. And um, and look, it'll be a work in progress because, as you say, he's not a great isolation player. What can the Knicks do to facilitate what he does bring to the game? Very, very curious to see that. That's number one, or that's the that's the on court versatility. The reason I find it fitting or ironic or whatever word you want to use is because acquiring this player now gives the Knicks that much more flexibility in terms of how they continue to operate moving forward. I'm going to disagree with you on one thing, Jeremy. What's that? My pie-eyed optimism right now. I wonder if there isn't a non-superstar trade out there for them to make. And I don't really want to get into this today that you could put a, a piece next to Brunson, OG, Ananobi, and Randall. And oh, I wasn't, I wasn't saying that. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, no, to be, so, 
to be clear, I, again, there's something I have in mind. And, I'm sure uh, there is. We can and talk Ian about Bagley, it. Ian Bagley also reported they're not done yet for anybody who missed that that little nugget. Um, Gee, I wonder why. I, <laughs> uh, so that's a possibility. Or alternatively, if there does become a superstar who should happen to find himself on the market, well, you just got yourself the sort of piece that any team in the NBA is going to be happy to acquire. If it, if it, I don't think that's going to wind up happening, but if it turns into that, and guess what? If there's a, if there's a scenario where you wind up trading Randall in the deal again, do I think that that's going to happen? No, I don't think that's going to happen. If that should transpire, well, now all of a sudden OG slots in as your number three. You have attained such flexibility by making this trade and I'll say it again because it's it cannot be emphasized enough you have all of your first round picks with which to truly bring that flexibility home and let it work for you moving forward as opposed to this conundrum that they were in in man, with Emmanuel quickly where is he's too good to just obviously let walk but his role on our team is not befitting of a role of a player where you're going to pay $25 million a year. And if we extend him for $25 million a year, how tradable is he going to be then? And what is his market going to be? How many teams are really going to want him at that price? You've eliminated all of that. It's done. It's gone. Miss him. Love him. Appreciate what he did for the franchise. This is about making your team better and able to be more versatile in what you do moving forward to do whatever the next step is. Yeah, not just the first round picks, but the first round picks that will avoid any issues that would come of Stepien. Because the Stepien rule is what would trip everyone up, or, in, or at least the Knicks in this case, by yep. laying out any first-round picks of their own. And it's the thought process of if you Unless it was like this year. But even then, even then, because right now the Knicks could, this summer, still use at least a first-round pick That's, to yeah. supplement what they're doing. Because yeah. if we're looking at this right now, the players that the Knicks have drafted who are currently on the roster, Mitchell Robinson, who mm -hmm. is not drafted by this uh, front office, but that doesn't really matter in this way, very moment. Quentin Grimes and Juice McBride and Jericho Sims. Those four, right? Don't believe I'm missing anyone. Don't now, so. did my Rokas Jakobitis is coming over in 2024 agenda gain more steam? It did because you, it felt like it was building to this. Because you why slide wouldn't dog, it? You. <laughs> I'm just saying it made so much sense for why they would not bring him over. There was not a role. Guess what? Guess what, John? There's, There's going to be a role. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and I want to bring up two other pieces that came with OG Anobi because it wasn't just OG Anobi. It was also Precious Achua and Malachi Flynn, two free agents. Uh, I think it's relevant because I don't believe that the Knicks are sold on either of these players. I... Wait, which two players? Sorry, I was uh, I saw there was a piece of news, but go ahead. Malachi Flynn and Preston. Oh yeah, Chua. Preston. Chua. So here, just thought. I think in the, in the interim, the Knicks have like you know someone that they could feasibly run out, but I think they would trust Deuce McBride, maybe a little bit more than Malachi Flynn based on where they're at in their careers and how Flynn has gone. Um, Achua, fantastic offensive rebounder, doesn't do a whole lot of what the Knicks like though. I still feel like they will try to flip Achua between now and the deadline because I don't see them wanting to re-sign him. And I think they're going to look still towards like you call up Chicago, for example, and you say, Hey, what if I told you that yeah. we could give you someone who's younger, uh, similar to Andre Drummond, but, yeah. but better for you. And then yeah. that way you don't have to give up different capital. It's just kind of shuffling. It's the not nuts. And, right. And then of course there's the uh, elephant in the room right now of one Evan Fournier and his $18 million plus salary. And the fact that if you let it go, 
that's not good. It really hamstrings you. So that's where the continuous soup comes into play, where you take Evan Fournier's 18 plus million dollar contract and you add whatever you need to add to bring someone in that can help you make another decision, potentially as soon as this summer, that then elevates your team further. And you look back and again, it's, man, I'm really glad the Knicks have OG Ananobi. And I'm really glad the Knicks have Josh Hart. Man, the Knicks are actually at a really good position because in a league that is run by wings and where defense wins championships, it helps to have those types of players, John. It just kind of does. Um, I, it's a, I'm, real, I'm just very excited not only for the move itself, but for all the reasons that you just nailed on. The, you know, we, we kind of, we, we laugh about the, you know, the, I laugh at least about the Leon Rose, you know, pulling the strings, right? With the, with the Godfather reference, man, the dude, the dude's kind of doing the thing, you know, uh, we're, we're like, again, you may not love it, but th- this is what, this is what he was he brought here to do. Um, this team was in fucking nowheresville when he came aboard and, <clears throat> He's done uh, some nice things to put them on the precipice. Now we could officially say they are on the precipice. Uh, not there yet. Not there yet, but r- very close. They're 16th um, in defense, by the way. 16th. For a team that the backbone yes. is the defensive side. Yeah. So they had to do uh, something. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I think I wonder if last night kind of... I mm, Now it makes sense. I Sorry, I'm going to bring Andrew up here in a second. Do you think they learned about the trade before the game last night? No, I don't. Because you don't? Okay. seeing the reactions from quickly Josh Hart and other that's tweets true. That's true. leads me to believe that they this, got wind. I think this came out of left field. I really do. I just because I was I watched that game and I watched the first quarter and how they came out and how they came out in the second quarter and how they came out in the third quarter. And like, man, what is what is with this freaking team? But um, keep in mind the Raptors who have been struggling who, for whatever reason, decided to get Jakob Pertl and give up only top six protections on their pick, who lost to the Celtics, an elite team, who had just narrowly beaten the Pistons the previous night and still found a way to win against the Raptors. At a certain point, there had to be a final nail in the coffin for both of these teams as their seasons are going on to be like, you know what? We're at crossroads and we can help each other out. Yeah. And we just can't keep going in this direction because it's a it's a jumbled, bunched up faction of teams in that, you know, top nine of draft picks. And if you're the Raptors, you should have gotten a head start this past offseason. Masai Ujiri being late to the draw could actually seriously hurt this pick and them keeping it. But at a certain point, it's it, you have to come to a decision of, you know what? I should have done it earlier. We gave it a go. Yeah. It's not worth it. All right, let's yeah. let's begin. Let's start it. Because if we don't do it now, we're going to be in a worse spot. And if he leaves for nothing, then I might be out of a job. So they had to pick a direction. So this was yeah. just the natural uh, yeah. crossroads for both these teams to be able to make something work. All right, let's get Andrew up here real quick before we get to the Super Chats. Hey, Andrew. Hey, guys. What's up? How are you? I you don't have to ask me how I, <laughs> I think we all figured out uh, how you're doing, John. Especially those of us that follow you on social. Um, I I just want to add one thing on behalf Please. of the IQ Hive, I guess. And I checked; my passport is still valid. 
John. Just check. Um, I will just say this, and I, I said this when he didn't extend, that I can understand why the Knicks didn't, especially re- with what restricted free agency is. I completely hear every side of this, and I, I said this to Jeremy before you joined us to like Jeremy for those behind the scenes, Jeremy and I logged on first and we talked about the trade Um, in the, the hurry of me trying to set up the live stream. It was very much just the, okay, it's IQ, it's RJ, it's picks. I didn't even know what the picks were. When I realized that there's no first round pick going out, it somewhat lightened the blow. Cause then you understand like the prize that the Raptors are getting back is Emmanuel quickly. I just want to say, what I said when he didn't extend and we did that live stream. I understand it. I understand this trade. It's going to suck seeing him on another team. And that I think is the universal reaction of anybody that bought an IQ Jersey that bought an RJ Jersey, our perks for our Patreon folk. We just did an IQ perk. Spoiler alert. The perk for December was going to be an RJ perk. So now we got to work on a new graphic for the new, for our, our Ewing tier Patreons. Um, I think I, in the most rational sense, a rational part of me, I think I have to just echo both of you. And I think the only thing I want to do is ask both of you a question that I think a lot of people are asking because they didn't get first round picks. You, you, you can understand why the Knicks did this. I think the rational part of you is like, man, they got OG without having to give up a single pick that, well, okay, a single first round unprotected pick. Who knows what the Detroit first round pick ends up being. As far as who that next piece is, according to Ian Bagley, just initial reaction. Does this rule out the, who, who's the two guard that we're potentially targeting now? Because I think is what people are going to be focused on. Uh, and specifically, Jeremy, an is, there one in, is there one in Cleveland that may be disgruntled or does, let, that, does this kill that? Uh, I'll let Jeremy answer first. No, I don't think it's the player in Cleveland for whatever okay. it's worth. So not Darius Garland. Got it. No. My honest thought is I truly do believe that the next move DeJounte Murray, and I'll tell you why. And I don't even think it makes a lot of sense, but I'll tell you why it actually does make sense. (laughs) Michael Scotto of Hoops Hype talked about the Knicks being interested in DeJounte Murray. Ian Bagley echoed the same sentiments. I believe both of them. I believe both of their sources. I think there is interest in the Knicks acquiring DeJounte Murray. I think a lot is being made of clutch in the Cold War that exists. I think it's silly that we're at this point, but so be it. We're at this point. Right now, if the Knicks were to make a trade this summer based on the roster they have and a superstar became available, they cannot sign and trade OG Ananobi. It's not going to happen. The salary that they would have going out, Jalen Brunson, who uh, is not being traded. No. Julius Randle, who I'm highly likely, who I, I believe 99% sure not being traded because the Knicks like having three high usage, really talented players on the court. Ideally, that's what they envision. I don't see him going. And Evan Fournier, whose salary would be expiring once again, assuming that the player option would be, or the team option would be picked up to make the math work. So when the news broke of DeJounte Murray 
there was so much emphasis on the fit from the basketball standpoint, which I don't like. I want to be clear about that. Yeah, I, I think yeah. adding someone who's a poor catch and shoot player who needs the ball in his hands, who um, maybe struggles in a lot of areas, especially for a Knicks team that likes having more off ball talent and shrinks the floor by having Randall and Murray and uh, Hartenstein together. I don't love that fit, but here's what I do love. DeJounte Murray's contract next season. Uh, it's a great extension. The sale to Philadelphia, to Cleveland, to whatever team. I doubt it's Phoenix for whatever it's worth, but let's put them at a very distant third. You say to these teams, we're going to take this player, Evan Fournier, and we'll add picks. Maybe it's Grimes. Maybe it's both. Maybe it's one or the other. I don't really know, but let's roll with it. You take that and you say to a team like Atlanta that's struggling, that needs to shake things up. Hey, we got something for you. And you have this hodgepodge of a team that's not going to win a contender because it wasn't going to even before DeJounte Murray stepped in the door. And at that point, that's when you then say, all right, let's see how this goes and let's see what this summer brings because there's a good chance that we could then turn DeJounte Murray into someone else. We Mm. could add other salary. And to me, again, I would imagine Embiid is the first target, especially when you look at the fact of Mitchell Robinson, DeJounte Murray, the math should work there. Boom. Maybe you could do it with this, with uh, um, uh, with Donovan Mitchell. In fact, you probably could, based on how close salaries are, just get some other math in there, and, and it could work out. And we'll see what the other moves are this season that might get us that way. But you need salary filler, and I don't mean that in a, in a disrespectful way. In the same way, I didn't really feel it towards RJ Barrett. You just need to make the math work. This yeah. isn't baseball. So in order to do that, Dejounte Murray goes from eighteen million to like twenty five million dollar cap hit. That's how you can get from where we're at right now to star, whether it's a superstar or it's a super duper star or it's a star, whatever you want to call it. I don't Mm. really know, but you need to, uh, the one thing that I've loved talking about in the last couple of years is one red paperclip where you go from something small and you (laughs) trade it for something better and you trade it for something better until finally down the line. In the real life example, the person took a one red paperclip and turned it into a house. They bought a fucking house from getting a paperclip. <laughs> that is where the Knicks are. Well, the aren't at the one red. Uh, they're not at the one red paperclip portion, right? They are at the portion where they're further along, but they're closer to the house than we might think. And getting Dejounte Murray gets them that much closer to the house. You don't have to like it in the interim, but you'll love it in the long term. What's up, Knicks fans? Quick break to tell you about our new sponsor, Prize Picks. Not only are they the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America, but they're also the easiest and most exciting way to play. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, it's just you against the numbers, picking more than or less than on a two to six player stat projection. With basketball season fully underway, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League. This is a league created specifically specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, take Jalen Brunson over in points or Julius Randle over in rebounds and combine it with two NFL picks like Lamar Jackson over in rushing yards or Zach Wilson over in interceptions. Prize Picks is a really simple way to play. Prize Picks offers weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts. Like on Taco Tuesday each Tuesday, Prize Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. PrizePix now offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account all basketball season. 
You know what to do. Go to prizepicks.com slash KFS and use code KFS for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash KFS and use code KFS for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, it's daily fantasy sports made easy. I'll give it back to you, John, and then we can jump right into the Super Chats. I think, again, speaking from the emotional side of me, it was... Just a thrill to watch IQ come in on the second unit and be what he was. The 38 at the Boston Garden will always be something that uh, we remember. Uh, I am curious to see what Toronto does with him, if he's now their new starting point guard or whether he also goes there and he's backing up Dennis Schroeder, which would be just criminally insane, but also high comedy. Um I am also, I have officially booked S. Barahini, who covers the Raptors for uh, SDPN up in Toronto. Uh, we're going to chat tomorrow morning for now. What is a pre, a, it's a pregame pod, but it's like also a post trade pod where we're previewing just the future for the Knicks and Raptors after this trade. Um, and look to the RJ Hive, I will just say he's going home. And j- he was, we, we've talked about the numbers. He was having, Kobe last year, Kobe season when uh, since the migraine, like that's how bad his numbers have been. And now he's going home. That is like a cool story. So like the perfect place for him to rebuild himself, find a, a new identity and a new home. It's quite literally in the team for the team and in the city that he grew up in. So there's a chance, like you said, Jeremy, that this could be just like a win-win for everybody. The Knicks get OG and don't have to give up picks. IQ goes to a place that he could start. And RJ gets to go to a place where he is quite literally royalty. And hopefully, you know, hopefully we do end up winning a lot in this trade. But um, if you are still emotionally invested in those players, they ended up in potentially really good landing spots too. Um, the way that Ian said what he said earlier today about, I don't think the Knicks are done yet. What do I always say? Ian. <laughs> does not say as much as he knows. He said about as much as he could possibly say without coming out and being like, this is not, I'm not talking about Donovan Mitchell this summer. I'm talking about something now uh, before this trade deadline. By default, you'd think it's Murray. I don't know, man. I, I mm, it, It's the most obvious fit because he's the most obvious like starting to guard unless we're talking about, I mean, if they really want to keep their powder dry and they don't want to include because I here's the thing again. Can they? I don't think they could get. Like I think Grimes is gone. By the way, I think Grimes is going out in whatever trade. There, whatever this next trade is, I think Grimes is going out with Fournier's salary. So then it's about all right. What does Grimes and Fournier get you with? Like let's say they want to try to trade away either their pick or the Dallas pick in the first round this year, plus two two protected firsts. That's three firsts. None of them are very good, but it's three firsts, right? Wait, so you could sorry, say, do, that, say that one more time. Either you could you could you could do the language the better of uh our I think you could still even though the Dallas pick doesn't actually definitely convey this year, I'm pretty sure there's still a way you could do language the better of the Knicks pick or the mm-hmm. Mavs pick in this first round. Like, well, yeah, you could do that because if the Dallas pick doesn't convey, then you're just getting the Knicks pick. So that plus two protecteds, two additional protected. So they have three additional protecteds in addition to the Dallas pick, throw in two. So that's three firsts. My guess is like that's what I if that's the package for Murray, does that get you Murray? I, I 
So I've thought a lot about this because, again, and I, I'm now completely obliterating that cap or no cap uh, in real time, which is fine. I, I'm over it. It's it's whatever. I'm fine. Cool. I'm raining it in. Uh, great movie. But I, I'll say this. I looked at the DeJounte trade from the Spurs to the Hawks, and I looked at it through a fine-tooth comb. And that trade was Gallinari is expiring. Yep. The protected pick that the Knicks originally had for, what was it, the 19th, the 21st pick in the 2021 draft they traded out of included, which will convey as two seconds if it does not, um, if it's not out of the lottery this year, it will be in the lottery or next year, it will probably still be in the lottery. So it's two seconds. seconds. It's uh, an unprotected 2025 Hawks pick, a pick swap that the Hawks are offering and an unprotected 2027 first round pick. So I've looked at that and I've been thinking about how the Knicks could match up with something with DeJounte Murray. And this is what I've got. The, the Hawks would be sending DeJounte Murray and probably someone like Wesley Matthews for the salary and for roster spots. Then you've got Evan Fournier. Evan Fournier, salary to, the vehicle to make the salary work exactly like Danilo Gallinari. Expiring money, get off the books. You have Grimes. Grimes to me would be probably if you had to offer him more like... If Cam Reddish can go for that pick, protected first in two seconds, I think it's safe to be able to do the Wizards pick. But even if we threw that Wizards pick aside and decided to say it's not that value, which again, don't necessarily agree, um, I would say that Grimes is akin to that Hornets pick. I also don't think DeJounte's value has increased at all since he was acquired. In fact, I think if you're the Hawks, you're prepared to take a, a small haircut, very small, but a small but haircut. I'll, I'll finish. It's, the extension it's, is nice. Yeah. Sure. Yes. But even still, um, so it's Fournier and Grimes, the wizard, not the wizard pick, excuse me, um, the Bucks pick. So the Bucks pick is important because we know that's going to convey. It'll probably be in the late 20s. But if you're the Hawks, congratulations. You now have a 2025 first round pick. You didn't have that because you traded out of it with DeJounte Murray. All right. And then the next thing and the last part of it is that the Knicks would be giving up the Pistons first round pick. The Pistons first round pick. The reason I say that is because that is likely to convey 26, maybe 2027. If it conveys in 2027, congratulations, Atlanta. You have found a way to plug up the gaps of your 2025 and 2027 first round picks. What's more, if you're Atlanta, really all you've lost on this is a second, is two second round picks and a pick swap, but you're going to be better than San Antonio in two years, most likely. So the whole transaction of going from before DeJounte Murray to after DeJounte Murray is essentially a loss of two second round picks in terms of value. That's the way that I've kind of been visualizing it. Um, And it doesn't, the reason, the last thing, the reason I do not foresee the Knicks giving up a 2024 first round pick to Atlanta is Atlanta has its own first round pick. And Atlanta also owns the Sacramento Kings first round. Uh, So the the Hawks having three first round picks in this draft would give them a tremendous burden of how are we now going to get rid of this stuff? Where you can think of, oh, it's actually in the future. So I don't have to worry about it as much. And if you're wondering why is it that the Hawks would do this? Money. Yeah. Luxury tax. The Hawks have been very frugal consistently. If you move DeJounte Murray this year for Evan Fournier and for Quentin Grimes and you include... uh, Wesley Matthews. And again, the Knicks would throw in like a million dollars in cash to make it all work. Um, 
you walk into next season and you've pretty much shaved $21 million off of your payroll, which is important because the Hawks have Sadiq Bey, who they have to pay. They have their own first round pick and then they have that Kings pick. Those three, Bay and those two picks, assuming are kept, will cost them around $20 million. And also Grimes, if they get him, they would have to pay him a little bit of money to keep him. The following year, but not the following year. year. Yes, not not your next, next year. year can, next year, they can be safely under. They build Quinn Snyder's team, which if you, <laughs> I mean, you could plug and play Grimes into pretty much any team, but especially like think about what the Jazz did when Quinn Snyder was there. I'm yep. sure a lot of the same principles. You put Grimes in that Royce O'Neal role, perfect for what they yep. need. Perfect around Trey. Ideal. The Hawks, different front office, of course, but were interested they were in co- Grimes. Nick said no. They went yeah. through with the deal otherwise. So if the if the deal ultimately goes again, DeJounte and Wesley, Matthews for uh Fournier, Grimes, the Bucks first, the Pistons first, and a million dollars in cash, I wouldn't be shocked at all. And then you have all of your Stepion picks, all of your own unprotected, plus your Mavs pick this year to make one selection and then trade. Three to four unprotected picks if you wanted to. And you can trade the pick seven years in the future because you're not a super tax team because you're not paying Emmanuel quickly $20 million in order to do it. There's so much going on. And if you think you're overwhelmed, you probably are because it is overwhelming. It's a lot to take in. Trust me. I should just say one thing. Let me go back behind the scenes. And I know you had a cap or no cap prepared and and it got obliterated. But there's over 2,000 people, almost 2,100 people watching live right now. Thank and they just got to, got to watch you work live. And it's why, no disrespect to Bobby Marks or Keith Smith or any other capologist yeah. out there, anybody that works for a team that is a capologist, yeah. there's nobody in this business that does it better than Jeremy Cohen. That was incredible <laughs> to watch you do live. It was literally like watching uh, Matt Damon in, uh, uh, why am I blanking, on the 90s uh, movie. Please. That Goodwill Hunting is totally Goodwill- different from anything. Dude, it was no, like no, no. watching you is- do the math problem on the chalkboard. It was incredible <laughs> watching you go through all of and that. It- if a much dumber version the, did it, then yes, that's exactly what it would look like. Listen, what did you say? Like apples? Do you what like apples, the, Jeremy? I was going you to like different big apples. How about that big apple? What does he I say when he's in the guy's apple. office? This is fucking easy for me. This is yeah, <laughs> this is easy for me. 